Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. For more information, go to www.encounterccb.org. Well, I'm glad that you've joined us this morning, and hopefully things are working well by now. Tim's going to preach and teach the Word in a moment. Before he does that, I'd like to read to you the Scripture that he'll be preaching from. If you have a Bible available, we'll be reading from Genesis 1. 26 to 31. Genesis 1, 26 to 31. Here's what the Bible says. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, and everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And I just got to say this, you can't put the Hebrew into English, but in Spanish you can, it goes like this. God looked at it and saw it was muy bien. That says it better than English. Anyway, will you pray with me and ask God's blessing upon Tim as he comes? Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we could be here this morning. Thank you for those who are joining us in whatever way they can. We pray for Tim as he comes now. We pray that you would inspire him and fill him with your spirit. We pray that just as the spirit inspired these words to be written, that he would illumine them to our hearts and inspire Tim as he brings them. We pray that you will fill his life and his heart and fill this place and touch our hearts with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to start uh, today by talking, by asking you a question, and I want you to answer this question, and here it is. Do you think that you are significant? Do you think you're significant? Like, think about that. What's your first reaction to that? Do you think you're significant? And to help you a little bit, I I like to define words to make sure that uh, we know what we're talking about. Here's how a significant is defined. It is to be this, sufficiently great, important to be worthy, or no, important or to be worthy of attention, right? Three things there. Sufficiently great, important to be worthy of attention. Would you say that you are significant uh, based on this definition? This is week uh, uh, four of our sermon series, uh, What We Believe. Uh, this fall, can you believe that this past Tuesday, we, we uh, it turned to, to fall already. Uh, this fall, we're going to be spending uh, the time uh, following the storyline of the Bible and looking at the fundamental truths of what we believe about uh, certain aspects of of life and using the Bible. And so far we've covered uh, what we believe about God, what we believe about revelation. And last week, uh, Dave covered what we believe about creation. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, what it means to be human and what we believe about humans. 
And here's, today's message is, is so incredibly important, and the message from it is so incredibly important that you have to uh, understand it, and that is this, is that this message, what we're going to talk about today, gives you the basis of your significance. It gives you the basis of your significance. What Dave read a moment ago uh, tells you your purpose and significance in this world and where it comes from, and, and that's why it is so important. Do you know, folks, that you are significant? Do you know that you're significant? Fifty years ago, uh, Don Ritchie was a guy with the most unusual uh, habit. This is my buddy Don. I don't know him, but uh, Don Ritchie had the most unusual habit. Uh, he would spend the majority of his days and his afternoons looking out his window. Odd, right? Now, usually a guy who's retired and has some time, you might see him on the golf course or maybe uh, wrenching on a, a car in the garage or doing something like that. But Don spent his time sitting in his living room chair that a big bay window looking out his window for a certain type of person. Now, Don lived uh, on, on the very top of a cliff that overlooked uh, the ocean, a very high peak, uh, and it was known as a suicide hotspot in Sydney, Australia. And uh, from 1964 to 2012, he watched over this cliff face and would wander down to anybody who he thought was suicidal and contemplating their worth in life. So this is a view from kind of a, a, an area of, of Don's window, and he would watch people go into that cliff edge, and if they looked to be in distress or trouble, he would walk up to them, and he would ask them this simple phrase, can I help you in some way? Can I be of assistance to you today? And oddly enough, that very simple phrase was so impactful, meant so much to these people that when, by, when he died a couple of years ago, he was credited to saving well over 200 people from jumping off that cliff face. And some people say those estimates are way too, too low, that it was way beyond 200 people. But before he died, a, a journalist interviewed him and he became kind of a star in, in that area of being able to save people. And they interviewed him and they said, Don, after, after 50 years of, of interacting with suicidal folks, folks that just didn't see a, a need to continue on their life and wanted to just jump off that cliff face, after 50 years of working with these people, what have you learned? And he said a couple of cool things. He said, when a, per when a person has no purpose... When they have no meaning in life, they have no reason for being here, life has no meaning to them. And if you know why you're here, if you have a reason, if you have a significance, you know why you are born, you know why you are, you are alive, then you will feel alive. And he concluded by saying this, which I thought was so profound. He said, significance and purpose are the most important things in the world to have. I want to start off right away by giving you uh, the uh, direct answer to the question that we have today. Uh, if you uh, have a message outline, uh, I encourage you to go onto our website, EncounterCCB.org, uh, download the message outline there. Uh, point number one is this. We believe to be human means to bear the image of God. Point number one, we believe to be human means to bear the image of God. 
We believe the image of God is, is not so much something that man has, but rather something that mankind is. Humankind was created to be a graphic image of the creator, a formal, visible, understandable representation of God, of who God is and what he is really like. The image of God is, is a foundational concept for understanding our significance and our purpose, for understanding how we are made in God's Im image. And by understanding that, it helps us to see the basis for the dignity and purpose of our work and our, of our life. And Genesis 1, 26 through 28, which Dave read a moment ago, just announces to human, human beings their, their purpose and, and, and that they're, they're, they're made in the image of God. And it says this, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. And catch this in verse 29. So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now think about this for a minute. Last week, we talked about a creation, and Dave gave us uh, kind of some awesome facts about our world and our universe and our creation. A few weeks before that, uh, Dave talked about uh, how science, our science and Christianity and conflict, and uh, he, he uh, you know, Dave's a science nerd, so he gave a lot of science facts. Think about the vastness of our universe, right? The universe spans over 150 billion light years. You can't even fathom that, really, right? When you think about the galaxies, uh, galaxies are, are a system of stars, right? There are over two trillion galaxies. And within those galaxies, there are one billion trillion stars in the universe. That's 10 to the 21st power. You should see the smile on Dave's face right now. There are one, if you think about the sun, right, you can fit one million Earths inside the sun. Those are just a few facts about the universe. The universe is vast and awesome and just incredible, right? But catch this, as amazing as the universe is, the universe is not as amazing as you are. The universe is not made in the image of God, but you are made in the image of God. The opening chapters of Genesis just shook the world with a bold claim that all humans were made in the image of God because back in the, in the Bible days, there were only two things that were made in the image of God, right? It was, it was idols and kings. And so for, for scriptures to pronounce that, that, that humans were made in the image of God, we're setting them on a level that they had never been before. The image of God refers to the, the um, immaterial part of humanity. It sets human beings apart from the animal world. It fits them with a dominion that God intended to have them over the earth and enables them to commune with their maker. It's a likeness both mentally, morally, and socially. Mentally, Humanity was created as a rational being. In other words, human being can reason, they can choose. This is a reflection of God's intellect and his freedom. Anytime someone uh, invents a machine or writes a book or paints a landscape or enjoys a symphony, anytime someone calculates a sum or a, a quadratic equation or names a pet, he or she is proclaiming the fact that we are made in God's image. Morally, human, uh, humanity was created in righteousness and in perfect innocence, a reflection of God's holiness. God saw all that he had made, and he called it what? Very good. 
our conscience or our, our moral compass uh, is an indication of that original state. Whenever someone writes a law, whenever someone retreats from evil, whenever somebody beats a, a, a habit or a hang-up, whenever someone praises God or feels guilty, he or she is confirming the fact that we are made in the image of God. And socially, humanity was created to fellowship. Humanity was created to, to, to be with one another, to commune with each other. And this reflects God's nature and his love. In Eden, in the Garden of Eden, humanity's primary relationship was with God. And God made the first woman because it was not good for man to be alone. Every time someone marries, every time someone makes a friend or hangs out with a friend or hugs a child or attends church or community group, he or she is demonstrating the fact that we are made in the image and likeness of God. Point number two is this. This is a great, great point. We believe to be human means to have purpose. We believe to be human means to have a purpose. Genesis tells us that, that humans were created with a purpose, not just to be uh, autonomously unique, but to be vocationally set apart. When God says that he will make humans in his image, he has a purpose in mind that he makes very clear. He says that they're going to, to rule and reign, and they're going to be fruitful, and they're going to, be, they're going to multiply. And this reflects the image of God. Later in Genesis 2, humans are placed in the garden with a similar mandate as, as Genesis 1. But now they are also called to tend to the garden. In Genesis 2.15, it says this, The Lord God placed man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Notice the language of purpose here. They were placed in the garden to take care of the garden. So what does it mean that the image bearers of God are the ones who are to rule, reign, and, and fruit, be fruitful and tend to the, the created potential around them? We might describe this as being like priestly kings. I want to, I'm going to uh, take you to Psalm 8 where the psalmist reflects on Genesis 1 where he says this, What is man that you are mindful of him? and the son of man, that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put things under his feet. All sheep and oxen are also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the sea is such poetic ways of describing the purpose that we have given to us through Genesis 1. And I hope you see with this that you are significant. You are significant. And it isn't because of what you're able to do. It isn't the talents that you have. If you have a, a high-powered kind of a, a uh, um, you know, a, a, a job that, that people see you doing great things, that's not what defines your significance. If you are wealthy, that's not what defines your significance, but you are significant. And you're significant because you are made in the image of God. LeBron James is significant. Now, He's not significant because he's a great basketball, whether you like him or, or hate him. He's a fantastic basketball player, right? He has four MVPs and three championships, uh, maybe four after this year. But LeBron James isn't significant because of those facts. LeBron James is significant because he is made in the image and likeness of God. Beyonce, 
right? Any Beyonce fans out there? Beyonce is significant, but Beyonce is not significant because uh, of her, because she's awesome at what she does. Beyonce isn't significant because she's uh, an excellent singer and songwriter and record producer and dancer and actress and filmmaker. That doesn't make Beyonce significant. Beyonce is significant because Beyonce is made in the image and likeness of God. The same reason that you are significant is the same reason that Beyonce and LeBron and any other superstar that you would put out there is significant. The same reason that gives them significance is the reason that you are significant to God. How much sadness and sorrow would just leave our world if we knew that and believed that? if we knew that we were made for God's glory and we were being made into his image. I hope that you can let that truth just sink into you this morning. There are so many things that try to define you in your life, but you aren't defined by how you look. You aren't defined by how many followers you have on Instagram. You aren't defined uh, by the comments on your TikToks. You aren't defined by the car you drive or the clothes you wear or the grades that you make or the, the resumes that are turned down. Those things don't define you. But oftentimes we allow those things to define us, both good and bad. Folks, you are defined by the very fact that you are made in the image and likeness of God and nothing else. And because of that, you are a child of the king like we sung earlier. You were conceived by God before you were conceived by your parents. You were loved in heaven before you were known on earth. You are not an accident. You are not a fluke of genetics or, or, or evolution. You are God's image. Print that on your resume. You are purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, and in the eyes of God, you are worth dying for. Would you let that truth define the way you see yourself today? Point number three is this. We believe to be human means to be sinful, at least for now. That's when Jesus steps on the scene. Jesus walked around speaking and teaching on the, on the kingdom of God. In fact, this was easily Jesus' favorite topic. He preached the coming of his kingdom of God, the coming of, of God's new rule and reign in this rebellious world. His teaching focused on what living, uh, would, um, what, what living within this coming rule would look like, that the last would be first, that loving the enemy would be top priority, that the unlikely would be blessed, that those who wanted to lead must serve, in his time on earth, Jesus demonstrated what true ruling and reigning looked like. And as a king of kings, Jesus ruled immensely different than other kings of his time or other kings of our time. In his establishment of kingdom, Jesus invites humans in a new way, the original way of being human. And when we follow the ways of Jesus' kingdom, we follow the path to true humanity. And when Jesus entered the grave and he defeated death and he exited that tomb three days later, uh, with a path to restoration. It's through this restoration that Jesus initiated the curse reversal of creation. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 5.8 says it in, in such an awesome way that I love it that he reminds us that, that God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died 
for us. Christ died for you. The world that had begun damaged by human failure is now being renewed to its original. And in doing so, Jesus became the greatest priest, not just by his perfect sacrifice, but also by his restorative care of what humans were meant to tend to. His victory sets people free from the idols in our lives that we have given our image over to. No longer are we slaves to the things that we were originally meant to rule over. Through him, all of creation is being brought to new so that his followers can be the caretakers and the gardeners of the created potential. Now when we get to the end of the story, we see a very similar beginning. Through Jesus' restorative work in the world, his followers are now described as priestly kings. Check this out in Revelations 5, verse 10. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. Revelation envisions a day where uh, a day that God's image restoration project is brought to completion, and you're seeing that here. And here's what I want you to know. This is a great life. This is a happy life. This is a joyous life. And this is a life that even works when you're broke. It works when you're suffering. It works when you're sad. It works when you're failing and you're hurting and dying because the question is not, how can I live a life that glorifies me? But rather, how can I act in such a way that mirrors him? And that means even the most painful, trying, difficult parts of your life are redeemed by God's people as the greatest opportunities to reflect the glory of God. And not just love people, but enemies. Not just forgive people who do what we would consider minor sins against us, but the big ones too. And not just fall apart into a, a pit of despair when we're struggling and suffering, but trusting in Jesus because we know that he suffered as well and that, that we can suffer well to the glory of God, which gives us joy. What I hate so much about religious theory or, or you know, uh, doing things the way you're supposed to do is that our joy is rooted in something or someone outside of Jesus. You know, Jesus exists to give you uh, success and glory and fame and power. It's, it's kind of a common way of looking at God and religion, but it, that's not it. You exist to give God glory at all times, at all places. And the reason that people are miserable is because your joy is rooted in your willingness to mirror Jesus. Are you willing today to mirror Jesus? Because that's why you were made. You were made in the image of God and to reflect him. So if you aren't doing that, you're not living out your purpose then. Are you willing to mirror Jesus today? And here's how we do this. First of all, we, I'm just going to give you a couple ways in, in closing of how we can do this. First of all, we do this by submitting to God as, and his authority. By saying, hey, I'm not God. You are. Your ways are better, not mine. Right? If I was God, we would have had Wi-Fi at the beginning of this service, and it would have gone off not, without any kind of issue. <laughs> it's funny, we, as we were going through all the issues, we were singing that song, uh, and, and it talks about, you're, you know, you're perfect in all of your ways. I'm thinking, even when we don't have Wi-Fi, God, you're perfect in all your ways? Yeah, it is. So the first way we mirror God and reflect his image by sub, is by submitting to him and to his authority. The second way we do this is by worshiping God. 
He speaks like, like he did to our first parents, who, and we respond, and he teaches us something. We live in light of it. We read the Bible, we pray, we listen to God, and good counseling from those who love God, and good, good teachers of the Bible, and we respond. That's all part of worshiping. You know, when we think about worship, we think about singing. That's a great and vital part of worship. But also reading the Bible, uh, praying, allowing God to work in and through you, sitting with good uh, wise men and wise women who know the Bible, who can, who can uh, talk to you. That's part of worship. Yesterday, our women met and, and ate bagels and, and worshiped. They talked about life. They sung. They worshiped. That's what worship is. Third thing we do is we represent God by serving God, by advancing his kingdom, by making culture as he told our first parents to, by loving, your, uh, by, by loving in your marriage, by living as a witness to the world. That's where Jesus says to let our light shine before others, that they would see the good deeds and praise our Father who is in heaven. When you do something good for somebody and through that they see a glimpse of God, that is service. That is reflecting God to bring others closer to him. Fourth way we do this is, is by loving all people of all races. Racism is a belief that, that some races are better than other races or, or that by, by, by the fact that somebody has a certain color of skin or look, look a certain way that they automatically are, are inferior in certain ways. That's what racism is. And it comes from the evolutionary thinking. It doesn't come from biblical thinking. In fact, if you, if you read as, as we did a minute ago in Revelation 5, it says that people from every language and tongue and tribe and nation and skin color, they're all in the kingdom. They're all sitting around Jesus, all worshiping him, all reflecting him fully forever. There's no place for racism there. And there's no place for, for racial or class or gender, gender discrimination that says that you are inferior or I am superior. Because everyone, male, female, young, old, black, white, rich or poor, they all equally bear the image and likeness of God. And that even includes angel fans. Thank you. Jesus died for all of those people so that they all could mirror him well and be with him forever. Look, we just read in, in, in Genesis 1 that said, let us make humans in the image of God. It didn't say, let us make white people in the image of God. It didn't say, let us make women in the image of God. It said humans. Every human that is here is made in the image of God, and that's what gives them their value. That's what gives them their worth. And I want to close with this. The only way to do this is to be in relationship, first and foremost, with God. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't have this, man, if you, if you are lacking a relationship with God, I encourage you to reach out to us. Get, be part of this R101 class. Send us an email that says, you know what? I, I'm not in a, in a relationship with God, and I want to be. Or maybe you, you've been there before. You, you've had a relationship with God. You've committed to him in the past, but that's been some years back. Reach out to us. Let us encourage you and spur you on toward a right relationship with Jesus. Let us teach you uh, how to have a faith in Christ. And the second way of, of doing this is, is to uh, not only be connected to God, but be, being connected to people. 
being connected to people. Here we do that through community groups. Our community groups started a few weeks back. We would love for you to be a part of them. Community groups is just a bunch of us uh, sinners who fail every week getting together on Zoom and and talking about the the worship service, the the message, and just doing life together, chatting with each other, learning from each other. encourage you to be part of that. Reach out to us. Be part of a community group as well. But I hope as you walk away from this message today, you understand that your significance is given to you by your heavenly Father. The very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible tells you why you're significant and why you are valued and why you have purpose. And it's because you are made in the image of God. Will you pray with me? My God, I thank you that you have made us in your likeness, Lord, that you have made us into your image. And God, I pray so desperately for those who would hear this message. Lord, that they would know that they are significant, that they're image bearers of you, God, that we bear your image. What a glorious opportunity. What an amazing job description. How superior that is to everything and anything else that we would choose to give our lives to. And God, I pray that by your spirit you would regenerate our hearts, that you would renew our minds, that you would transform our lives so that we might mirror Jesus well. And in so doing, that we would be happy doing that, that we would have joy that is only found in in living in a right relationship with you. Father God, forgive us for the ways that we have looked for purpose and significance outside of you. Lord, I pray that you would remind us every single day that we are our child of the King. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Amen.